What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Why the F Not podcast. I am your host, Stephen Brogan Cortez. Episode 85. Today, my guest, Garrett Angle. Uh, Garrett and I, not a friend from college. Uh, I want to point it out because I'm like, not all my guests are from college, you know. I meet some in the world of community theater. I met Garrett uh, in a production of Titanic the Musical, Fun Times at the illustrious Mysterium Theater. Community theater, man. It's a wild ride. Uh, It's an experience. Uh, But Garrett's here to talk about, uh, we talked about his journey, you know, how he got to be where he is now, which is, well, if you, you may not know Garrett by his uh, offstage name, but his onstage persona, Miss Clairvoyance in the drag scene, uh, he's killing it right now. Uh, He's got shows at the Strut in Huntington Beach. Uh, Check it. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, it'll be in. All the links will be down there, obviously. But, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Wait, I want y'all to enjoy this next episode. Uh, I got a good uh, a good um, glimpse into how a person gets in to the drag scene, how it all begins, you know? Where does it start? Does it start at the first time you, you wear the illustrious wig, or does it start earlier? Well, strap in, get, get ready for the show. Uh, episode 85 of the Why the F Now podcast. With Garrett Angle. Recording. All right. I think we're live. Well, not live. We're recording. Uh, Everything. There we go. I got to just double check this because (laughs) nothing. No, because of nothing. Nothing happened prior. Nothing happened whatsoever prior. What? What? I have no idea what you're talking about. Welcome. Welcome to the Why the F Now podcast, Garrett. (laughs) Hey. With all the kinks uh, smoothed out. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, okay. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta bring it all back. Like I got, I got to know you a little bit better on our initial conversation. Um, but we got, we got to take it back now. If anything, mm. let's start it off. Tell me, tell us, the listeners, everyone listening. You know, the big wide audience of why the if not. Tell, tell us who you are, man. What do you do? Uh, my name is Garrett Engel. I am a actor, singer, director, producer in Southern California. I also go by my drag name of Miss Clairvoyance because uh, I work in musical theater and in drag and sometimes both of them mixed into one. So I- I'm a jack of all trades. I'll respond to a variety of names. <laughs> Ah, dig it, dig it. And yeah, I I, I recall from our previous conversation, just lots of nuggets of gold I actually wanted to share with you. Uh, So so I'm a voice teacher right now. Uh, I got... Yes. And I actually mentioned something we talked about last, uh, on Tuesday, we were talking about the, how when you perform, we... Like that nervousness, that like anxious feeling, you know, that that bit of fear and excitement. It's like, so one of my students has an audition coming up and she got really nervous about the audition because she was nervous about her capabilities on singing the song. And 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 then she started, you know, it started welling up so much, you know, that she physically, you know, just it affects our bodies. Right. And then. Yeah, it does. It does. And then she even released a little emotion through tears. And I even told her that's fine. Let that's your body releasing all that tension you're feeling. But I let her know. like, yeah. I, And yes. I hope and I hope it's comforting to my students when I tell them like, hey, you know, that fear, anxiety you have about this performance slash audition, it never mm-hmm. goes away. 
It, never, never. It, it, it stays alive in you still. So much so, some people take beta blockers. Like it, some people who are professionals who like who have been doing this for a long time even take beta blockers sometimes because, like, yeah, auditioning mm-hmm. is terrible. It's it's like oh, it's a horrible. hard experience. <laughs> it's the word I just I. It is one of the few things in the world that we knowingly put ourselves in, like the line of fire. Yeah. And and for those who aren't in the in like in the industry entertainment wise or as like an actor or, or a person who's like c- continuously auditioning, it's basically like just having a job interview over and over and yeah. over again for several different jobs. And even if you get one job, cool. How long does that job last for contract wise? But then once that's done, next audition, next job interview. Well, and not only that, but it, it there is also no feedback. And there's no, you can't really, it's taboo to ask for notes or critiques or to ask for any sort of follow-up. Is that too much work for like the casting directors? Like they're like, I, I don't want to give you, Probably. Is it, this isn't a workshop. Come on, Steven. Yeah. But like, that would be great though, yeah. to have some sort and, of, yeah. some sort of feedback. Like, Hey, we didn't choose you this time, Garrett, but it don't, it was just because, you know, ABC, um and you know we're looking for efg whatever you know what i mean yeah and nine out of ten times you don't even hear back from them oh no you just you just go about your life assuming you didn't get it (laughs) and then sometimes like i i did some shows with uh with la opera uh back in the day as a super numerator Uh Do you, uh, so I wasn't like singing on stage in the with with the opera but i was just like have you ever heard of supernumeraries no, I've not. So in the opera world, supernumeraries are basically extras on stage, like actors, mm-hmm. extra bodies helping build the story of an opera. So like the chorus might be made of, I don't know, I think it's like 30 or so people. But then you have another 30 people who are just the the other extras in the scene. Yeah. The village mm-hmm. people, or if you will, you know, like the guards, the prisoners. And I remember when yeah. I first auditioned for them, I didn't hear back. I didn't hear back from them until like maybe like a month or two after the audition. Mm-hmm. You're like, so you're just waiting, assuming you didn't get it. Yeah, Your but- life's moved on. <laughs> You've probably auditioned for other projects since then. Yeah. 100%. But then they call you and you're like, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's 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 hear a little bit more about you. I wanna I wanna go back because I think you have such a like everything that's come up for you and everything you have been like from what you told me as a child growing up. It just seems to have like unfolded in this beautiful accident, if you will, of like, huh, huh, huh. So I want to just take it back just so everyone can hear about it. Where it all started for you, where, you know, where, where theater hooked you, where it, when it, when it grabbed you. Yeah. So for me, it, it started way before I even could like figure out what theater was. Um, so for me, it was movies as a, like an itty, itty bitty kid. Um, I would just get hooked into movies and just see the world completely different than everyone else would see it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, my mom always likes to tell this story. When I was three, she showed me the wizard of Oz 
Mm-hmm. And instead of like taking away the music or how pretty it was or being scared of the flying monkeys, um, all I could sort of walk away from it was saying to my mom, you know, Dorothy really did steal those shoes. They were not hers. <laughs> they belonged to the witch. <laughs> so it's like, I, my brain always like was going in a million different directions for a big sort of theatrical movies or things like that. And I, I was just hooked. And I remember you telling me how crafty of a, of a child you were that you would oh, see oh, something yeah. and just, I want that. Let me make that. Yeah. Um, I I became best friends with a glue gun real quick. Um, the toys I wanted to play with were not the toys that were going to be in the store. Because I was into weird niche things. So it's like, oh, I watched Halloween Town last night. So I've got to build, I've got to build uh, something from the movie that I can play with. Or it's like... I watched Power Rangers this morning. Now I've got to have X, Y, and Z weapon that I saw them use for half a second in one scene. And so it was hot glue guns, tinfoil, popsicle sticks, any sort of like raw material I could get my hands on that I could just like do and put together. Fearlessly just scrapping mm-hmm. together all your materials. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh some kids would hide their like their Game Boys and stuff at night from their parents. I, I was hiding a glue gun that was plugged in somewhere in my room. So it's like keeping it plugged in might be a fire hazard. <laughs> but you're well, just like, well, well, I I just needed them to think I was going to bed. <laughs> I can imagine you like under the covers with like a flashlight, yeah. hot gluing something. Uh, just yeah, like, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> go go go. <laughs> Dude, how fun. And uh, remind yeah. me, like, what what, what was it as a kid that, if you can recall, like, that was just fueling this, that maybe even it still is what fuels you today? Like, what is it that makes you jump and leap to say, I see that. My imagination is just freaking bolted. Let me make something. Like, what is it? Yeah. So, um, I've got probably the worst case of tunnel vision out of anyone I know. So even even from when I was like three or four years old, when I see something and I want it, I can't stop. I physically cannot stop until I have acquired it to some, um, some capacity. Uh, so like when I was little, it was building my own toys or my own props or set pieces out of cardboard so I could play... Uh, Phantom of the Opera in the garage <laughs> or Wicked in the garage. And and now it's kind of the same way when I, when I see a number or I hear a song or I see a costume um, and, and it clicks with me. It's like, I can't stop until I'm on stage in that costume with that set performing to that song. Mm. So that is always, that has been like my, um my artistic gift and my artistic curse. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and I'm curious then, in your opinion, mm-hmm. what for you are like the top Broadway costume designs that sparked you hotter than anything else? Like, what are the first ones that come to mind? I won't even ask you top five necessarily, but like, what comes to mind? Wicked. Ooh. Of course. Um, 
Phantom. Um, I'm really into the costumes of Spamalot right now. <laughs> so, Spamalot's wonderful. What is it about Spamalot's yes. costumes that's got you tickled? Uh, it's because every time the Lady of the Lake walks on stage, she is a different decade, genre, and characterization of a famous pop diva. Wow. That mm-hmm. glazed right over me. I never Just thought like that. All of, <laughs> all of her music is ripoffs of famous women's songs or famous female singers. I feel like a dunce so like, over here. Like so so give me so examples. The song the song that goes like this is a parody of Phantom of the Opera. Oh my god. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. Knights Knights of the Round Table is a parody of Cher. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. Find Your Grail is like your Christina Aguilera riffing Find moment. Your grail. Oh, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Diva's Lam- Diva's Lament is Adele, Aretha Franklin mixed with all those big sort of personalities. That's the most broad way it is. Um, very like Ethel Merman, Patti Lapone. And so like, I just love stuff like that where it's like, give me something different in every scene. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you saying that and something that grabs you the most in a, in a show, right? Is, mm-hmm. and it's what I believe those three shows have in common is spectacle. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, I just I I've got a thing for belting women who have magical quick changes and dry ice around them 90% of the time they're on stage. Like I am I'm at my happiest when I'm when I'm uh when I'm watching Elsa have a quick change mm. or uh watching Alphaba Fly or all that sort of stuff. I love, um, I was raised on like very Halloween witch movies. Mm-hmm. So like my earliest references are the Halloween towns, the Hocus Pocus, the witches, um, practical magic, death becomes her. So I, I love magic mm. and I love, how difficult it is to recreate that on stage. Like if there's anything I love, it's watching special effects happen in front of me and being able to go, that was really hard. And I'm sure that took years of workshopping to figure out exactly how to make that perfect. Um, and just like women to, to that degree too. It's like, I've, I've always resonated with a f- strong female character especially their voices Mm. and what they have to say. Uh, I'm sure it all is connected back to like growing up on strong witches and characters like Elvira. (laughs) Um, So it's like when, when I see shows or hear songs that are kind of all those things put together, it's, it's over for me. I'm just so happy. (laughs) 
And and you said the first show you watched was Wicked as a kid, right? With yeah, uh, so, yeah. Shoshana Bean. Shoshana. Mm-hmm. I mean, just it was over. It was like it was. We got five minutes in, and it was like, it, this is over. It's like white flag. <laughs> I can't. Like this is the worst thing that could have ever happened to me because I can't do anything else. Like, <laughs> sorry, mom, I'm gonna be a poor artist for the rest of my life. Like, <laughs> I'm not paying for nursing homes. You like, brought me here, mom. Let's just yeah. You brought me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And 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 to a kid, I mean, watching a show like Wicked is it's pure magic. It it's, is, and it. It hit all of my checkboxes. Yeah. And it, it truly changed my life. Uh, I mean, I've seen Wicked you know, so, so many times <laughs> since then, but it's, I will never forget seeing it as like an eight-year-old in New York City with just my jaw on the ground from the second the overture started to like after the curtain had come down and bows were done. God, that fire, that just mm-hmm. a fun and joy and excitement yeah. just burning in you, dude. Oh, all right. So you watch Wicked and I, I want I want you to tell it again. What what then? What then became of young Garrett in the theater? world? Yes. So. It, Wicked was when I knew I loved theater. But it took like four more years for me to actually realize normal people can do theater. <laughs> and that moment so when, you realized yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like as like a little kid watching a Broadway show, you're just kind of like, these aren't people. These are the, these are something else. These are these are different otherworldly entities that you're watching. There's no way like someone like me could do this. There's no way that regular people can do this so i found my way into theater through prop building mm. and set design and all that fun stuff and it wasn't until i was actually like in the rehearsal process for a children's theater show that my mom's friend volunteered me to work on with her that i looked around and said that these are normal kids what i go to school with that person wait wait. i was like i was like no one told me (laughs) no one and and it was just like two weeks later i was in my first audition it was just that was another like you should have never told me like this is end game this is over oh man that's wonderful and then you even mentioned how like even at that point even at that age you were you were like some kids have been doing it for even longer yeah, Younger I was kids. like, I'm a late, I'm a late bloomer. I'm in seventh grade, and kids were starting in like toddlers and tiaras. Jesus, was it intense, like being in the theater world as a young kid? Like, like what was that environment like? Um, it was. So I think I have a, I have an interesting perspective on this. So I did. 10 years of private Catholic school. So I was with the same 30 people from the time I was in preschool to the time I graduated eighth grade. Wow. So when I did my first show, when I was in seventh grade, 
nothing phased me in terms of like the drama, the the theater world, the cattiness, none of that phased me because I was so excited to be with regular people. <laughs> what 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 was the reg what made them regular people? What 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 was the diff like what was Catholic school like? I have never been Oh Catholic I've school <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Would you get hit Listen, with rulers? With uh well just about corporal punishment uh not quite not quite oh. we had we had the nice nuns oh okay um, <laughs> but it was for me it was very evidently the oddball out from like a very early age mm. so when i went into theater for the first time i was like Okay, so these are the normal people. These are my people. This is what's normal. And I'd go to school and be like, y'all are weird. Why y'all are, are like the strange this? ones. Why? Yeah, why are you like this? <laughs> why are you so repressed? We're in seventh grade. <laughs> Gosh, to be that aware so, of the difference, like yeah. that, star- that, that oh. experience of just being around different people can oh, be yeah. so was- eye-opening. Yeah, because it's like, you know, no matter, like, how happy of a kid I was, it's like you go to school and you're going to feel like the odd one out. Mm. You're going to feel strange, especially when you're not a sports kid. Mm. You're not the smartest kid in the room. And there's no arts programs at your school. And it's like the once a week art class is like your only time to shine. (laughs) So it's like just entering that world where it was like, oh, I have no intrusive thoughts because nothing's telling me that I'm weird here or I'm the odd one out or like any of that was just, it was it was a game changer for me. So being around- And like, then, yeah. yeah. And then getting into the theater scene more and more, that's when I started saying, this is some fucked up shit. Like y'all are crazy. <laughs> We're all crazy in some ways. See, it's just about finding your right kind of crazy. But it was always the adults. There was never oh, any issues oh. with the kids. Because I started in children's theater. Wait, oh no. Are they like are they like pageant parents? Yeah. Like intense, like, trying to like be like they're like their like, child's manager slash agent. Like, like Tanya Harding level, like let's take someone out at the kneecaps in the parking lot of the children's theater rehearsal. Like that type of are you telling me there'd be like some mom who's like, my kid got understudy to Annie. Not today. Yeah. We're taking Ashley out. No, it would be like my 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 daughter got understudy to Annie. What can I say out loud at rehearsal tonight that'll make the Annie cry so much that she quits the show? No. Mm-hmm. These are children. Yeah. Children. We were children. Uh <laughs> So, you know, but it's funny because it's like in children's theater, it's the adults. And then when you kind of go to high school, the kids become the problems. Uh... And then it sort of takes over from there. So, but it's, it was definitely a, I was given the choice of um, either I go to theater high school or I continue on with like the, the Catholic school, high school course. And I said, oh no, I'm a level with you. I'm a vomit if I ever go back to any religious institution ever again. 
Send me to the public arts school. <laughs> yeah. Like, really? And that was... <laughs> That was a scandal. That was considered a scandal at my um at my old school because everyone was going to I'm going to Modern Day, I'm going to Servite, I'm going to Rosary King of the Cross school. And I was like, I'm going to Huntington Beach High School and I'm majoring in musical theater. Goodbye. Have fun adjusting later in life. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, so like the, the Catholic school was that was just seen as the prestigious like that's where yeah. all the good kids go and whatnot. Yeah, I I became the rebel. Oh, the rebel with the glue gun. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I I would get in trouble because my school projects, the teachers would think my parents did them for me because they were so good. So I, again, I was only good at like one thing, and it was arts and crafts. So. so like my time to shine was whenever we would do dioramas or scrapbooks or art or models or anything like that. And I got failed a few times because they thought they had like bought it from a store and put it together for me. And my parents would have to come down to school and be like, listen, he's weird. And this is his thing. (laughs) And if you fail him, we'll make your life miserable. Look, man, my kid's weird. He's really good at crafts. All right, we can't yeah, do this. Yeah, we we yeah. can't do this. Check his hands. He has the glue gun burns to prove it. <laughs> He's got the wounds of a craftsman. Yeah, literally, literally. Oh man. So so, what was high school life like then? After after leaving Catholic school life and now being able to do theater in high school, and so and so, this was a performing arts high yeah. school. Yeah, so um, I went to Huntington Beach High School, which is a public high school, but has a magnet arts program that is one of the best in the country attached to it. That exists? So I went to the, yeah, I went to the Academy of the Performing Arts at Huntington Beach High School. I thought magnet was like science and math and all this stuff. Yeah. There can be arts? Yeah. So, um I would do my normal school day with normal kids. And then after lunch, I'd go to dance, my second dance class, my theater class, my choir class, my, my, and then we do rehearsals at night. Holy shit. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And it was, it was a piece of cake. Like compare, like just being able to exist with normal kids are normal and be yeah are normal and then like be around regular quote unquote people as well it was it was everything i needed to like begin becoming a small adult person what yeah it sounds like a great like you said yeah a great place to develop into a small adult and yeah. Just to feel free, comfortable, and probably safer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so instead 100%. of P, instead of PE, you just had it was dance. dance. And all your electives, instead of taking like wood shop or like computers or like whatever else they have, or just choir. Yeah. Production. It was like it was show choir, tap, um, choreography, um, play ano- analytics. Um, I was the president of the Performing Arts Student Council. Holy crap. Like, 
Oh yeah, I Mr. President. I, I thrived. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the rebel from Catholic school becomes the president yeah. of the yeah. of, of the of the of the of the bad school. Yeah, one hundred percent. Oh, how rad! It was fun. I loved it. Jeez. All right. Okay. And so then, high school happens. Huzzah! College. What? 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 What, what college did you go to? Why did you choose that? What? What? What were you thinking already? Like what you wanted to do post high school? What What was the game plan? So game plan was always musical theater. Mm. Um, I. I'm sure you deal with this a lot as a as a voice teacher, but college auditions and anything to that magnitude are psychotic. Ooh, how I are think yours? I did I think I did twenty one auditions over like three states. Wow. Um yeah, and and it was it was wild. I, I knew I didn't want to be in California. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to experience another part of the world of the United States. <laughs> Um, uh, and, and I was lucky enough to get into, um, my program at Emerson college, which was in Boston. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah. So I lived in Massachusetts for four years and I loved that state. I loved Boston as a city. What what, what makes you love it? What's the magic? The beans? (laughs) Well, I kind of, (laughs) kind of. I always, I always said it was a smaller, happier, cleaner version of New York City. Ooh. Um, because you'd walk down the street and there would be kids smiling and laughing and like people would say hi to you. Hmm. And, and it just, there was, it was not overwhelming. A 10 minute subway ride and you could be in like the suburbs and it just it, the city was so alive but it never felt like you could get like swallowed by it yeah. so it always felt like today i'm gonna go explore and that's not a scary thing like i'm gonna go just have fun today yeah and what was fun over there what would you do when you weren't in school in class oh i loved exploring um the coastline the coast so like I, the beaches yeah the beaches um their rivers their lakes I would take, first of all, growing up on the West Coast, I have no concept of public transit. Oh, no, it's terrible. Live, here. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Cali- li- California yeah. boy, too. We have nothing here in L.A. Nothing. Living on the East Coast, I could go anywhere I wanted on the entire Eastern Seaboard via train. Oh, it's wonderful. I could be in New York City in three hours. I, it it was a total game changer for me. So I would go to Salem, Massachusetts a lot. Ooh, that was like one of my favorite places stuff. to go visit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ooh. I'd go to New York, Connecticut. I just I, I loved going on adventures because we had the ability to actually go out and have adventures. Mm. Yeah, if LA had a better transit system, it would be less of a nightmare in our cars. Just right. Like, did you know that? Like, I believe it was Walt Disney. He wanted to set up a monorail system, essentially where the five freeway runs. Mm -hmm. But the automotive industry was like, (laughs) no, shut it down. Yeah, you're you're not doing that. That's silly. Yeah, 
And it's such a shame too, because I thought that was going to be the hardest thing about moving away from home. Cause I'm a driver. I love to drive. I love my car. Like I do my best thinking when I'm in a car. <laughs> um, I thought it was going to be really hard not to be able just to like get in my car and drive. Yeah. And then like, I was over that in like a week because I could just go on the train and go. So it was just, it was cool. And the people were great and the food was delicious. College on the other hand was <laughs> what? It was a hefty therapy bill, but Ooh, Oh yeah. Okay. So um, I'm just, imagining, yeah. I'm imagining a lot of like maybe classes for you where there's a lot of talks and everyone, and you just, you dive into your work and you get really reflective. Yeah. And did you tremor in college? Did they make you tremor? We didn't tremor, but um, we had to hump Shakespearean sonnets. Wait, you say hum or hump? Hump. Oh, oh, because it's I, it's I had, pant pantameter or whatever. So you got a hump in that meter. <laughs> I, I had a professor whose theory was that all of Shakespeare's plays and monologues were a metaphor for sex. And their way to prove this was to sensualize the text. And I said, I, this is nonsense. I got to go home. Like, that's a wrap <laughs> on class today, everyone. Oh, wow. I am trying to conceptualize that. So oh, mo monologues, like, specifically monologues and soliloquies, like they're, yeah. they have this. They're all metaphors. And I said, this is, I said, this is too much. He said, I get it. We're all crazy artists. I get it. I'm in a BFA musical theater pro program on the East Coast. Like, we couldn't get more stereotypical here. But, like, we got to wrap it up. Like, it's a it's a, it's a, a wrap on today. Like, nah, time out. I'm calling game. Yeah. I'm good. I got to go yeah. home. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, damn. Okay. Okay. But it was like, that was, that was, that was the intensity that, like, each class had. Mm -hmm. Where it was like... I just want to learn how to sing eight shows a week. How do I do that? Like, yeah, it, it, it really, and they admitted this to us, like our senior year, like the program is designed to break you down your freshman year, give you the tools to rebuild yourself your sophomore year, your junior year, start to see yourself, put yourself together. And then your senior year, attempt to be a realized version of yourself wow that's a lot to ask for yeah and by yeah and they meant it like we're gonna break you down yeah you're we're not gonna give you any praise until your late sophomore to early junior year mm. half of you are gonna quit this program mm. so i was a class of 15 by the end i graduated by the at the start oh we started we started with 15 and we ended with i think 11 no we ended with 12 Ooh. so it's like we lost each time we said that's another fallen soldier i mean it sounds intense but it sounds very equivalent to maybe even the real world after you leave college that it'll break yeah. like 
One of my professors in college, uh, Corey Sorensen, shout out, Corey. Love you, dude. Uh, he said, this industry is all about breaking your ego down and rebuilding it and just repeating that process over and over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, especially coming in, you know, freshman year of college, some people might come in with this, you know, bravado, this like, you know, this yeah. like grandiose, you know, like, oh, I can do it. I know how to do this. Blah, 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 blah. I've been doing this since I was seven. And it's like, oh, no, we got to break that down. Well, on top of that, it's they there was a there's a lot of fanfare and like you are the one percent. Like 3,000 kids, 3,000 kids auditioned. We accepted 15. Fuck. Like, so you, so you kind of come in feeling like I, made I have it. a place at the table. I made it. I must have something. And it's just kind of <laughs> like, like, it's very much like teacher throws the scarf over their shoulder, <laughs> puts their sunglasses on. And it's like, you mean nothing. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it was wild, but to that, to their point, when I graduated and started auditioning, I was like, this is a piece of cake. Like, <laughs> like you can't hurt me. I just left the war, all right? I survived the I, war. Uh, Let's go. Yeah, I, I was like, I, I'm good. Like, I don't have to prove anything to anyone because I've already, I've already been at my worst and climbed out of it without anyone's praise or whatnot. Mm. Like, I think, I think if anything positive it did, it made me, it demystified sort of the magic of the industry and showed it to me very black and white that it is a business. Mm. Mm. Wow. Which, which I think is helpful when you become an adult in the industry, uh, not everything is personal. Mm-hmm. It is just a business. They know within the first five seconds if they want you or not. And that's at the end of the day, nine out of 10 times, it's as simple as that. And there's nothing more there. And that is so hard to kind of like grapple with. Yeah. And it takes a long time to get comfortable with the idea of, I didn't even open my mouth to sing and they've already made up all their opinions about me and I won't be able to win them back. But that, that, that was kind of like the one big blessing that came out of that was very much a sense of, I want to be right for this job. And I know you want me to be right for this job, but if it's not a right fit, there are, this is no big deal. Because I've got five more auditions this week. God, what a life. What a life. It's crazy. But Emerson, def- it sounds like it definitely gave you, like, school, essentially, like, whatever you're studying, it's, like, yeah, like, applying to colleges first off, right? Like you were saying, you applied yeah. to over 30. That itself, in itself, auditioning, applying, that is a task all in itself. And then... You want to get accepted. Cool. You think you made it, but then you're like, oh, crap. My mountain keeps going. And you're like, all right, yeah. freshman year, sophomore, junior, senior. Oh, I graduated. I made it. Wait. Whoa. Whoa. We keep going. <laughs> we Yeah. It, yeah, it keeps going. <sighs> what? What's that? But, what's that thought you had? What, what, what's that feeling? Well, no, no, 
Well, it, it really is the thought of like it, the when you're an artist, you don't get a vacation because the grind doesn't stop. Mm. Or so there, there are very few opportunities where it's like you're going to get months and months of work at a time where you can kind of like take the stress off. So it's like, even though I'm not auditioning as much as I used to anymore, I'm still like, I'm in one project right now. I've already got the next project planned in my mind and I'm already putting out feelers for the project after that. Wow. So it's like, it, it can, it kind of feels like a hamster ball, but I think that's what makes it exciting. Cause it's not, it's not monotonous, monotonous. It's always going to evolve and be different. I can, I a hundred percent agree. And I, my girlfriend was saying like, she's like, yeah, that's, that's you just having a problem with sitting still, you know, like feeling stagnant, feeling like I'm just like, like, I love my job right now as a voice teacher. Right. But then at some point there's just something about doing one project, having the next one lined up, you know, and like, not everyone's built for that nine to five gig, you know, not, it's not, and some people are, and that's amazing, but some other people need a little bit more chaos in their lives. We're all working so we can quit our day jobs. Yeah. Oh God. Ain't that the truth? Uh, I I work at a hotel right now and I'm just like, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal. Uh, just day jobs in general as an artist because I spend my entire day job just like so excited to jump into my career job like two hours later. And it's just like, uh, I'm chasing that. I'm chasing doing when we can get that full time. That's when like, yeah, we can pop the champagne. Yes, sir. That's why that's, that's your why, right? The why mm-hmm. to why you go to that day job, why you, Go yes. to that struggle, that hustle, that grind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I want to get into some more stuff uh, when it comes to what you're working on right now, but I got to go to the bathroom. So I'm just going for a quick little break. Well, I'll be right back. Have fun. Oh, welcome back. We're back. Look at that. Like with, mag- with audio magic, we're just, we're back. And it's like, I didn't go anywhere. What? No, not at all. So let's talk about. Uh, your alter ego, clairvoyant, Miss Clairvoyance. Yes. Let's oh, talk about. I want to go- know. I want to know the, the the birth of 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 Miss Clairvoyance. I want to know like how how you got into the drag scene. Obviously, mm-hmm. after what we've just heard of who you who you are, and you know, in this and uh, hearing your 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 story, it seems like the drag scene would it, it was just calling for you, meant for you. Yeah. Um... It, it's funny. I I always think that I planted seeds throughout like my childhood <laughs> that finally bloomed into a, a drag persona. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, two two or three years old with a cape, a blanket cape around my back, dancing to "I Put a Spell on You" in front of our TV, like that. That is a very vivid early memories for me. Was there was always a little something. Um, and then to bring it back to college, the first time I did drag was um, for a show. Uh, I did a musical called Le Cage à Faux, oh. which, which the birdcage is mm-hmm. based off of. 
Um, and I played um, the drag character, so the the Nathan Lane character. And it was, it was once again a moment where I said to myself, "You should have never let me find out about this," because <laughs> it was just like that was that, that was that. It my my it was like my brain was altered in that moment, and even though I didn't know how, I knew there was a path. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how closely that stayed to musical theater and theater. I didn't know what it took to like go down there, but I, I, it became very obvious to me that like, Oh, I'm, this is something I love. This is something that I find expression in. This is something that makes me feel strong. And this is something that fulfills every art, every pore of me that is artistic, like every ounce of artistic energy in me gets fulfilled through drag. Wow. And that is something I've never even gotten through like musical theater. And we talk about a high sometimes that we chase, like when you nail that big song or you get through that scene or like, there's definitely a high in those moments, but I, I feel that in almost the entirety when I'm in drag, it's not something like I'm always chasing around. It it, it just, I know it's right. Wow. And that's, yeah, that's been something crazy. And it just, so I did it in college and then I slowly experimented and tinkered with it. And when I graduated and moved, moved back home, I was bold enough to like find myself gigs. (laughs) Wow. Wait. Okay. So I want to just go back to you. The early days of college when you were first trying it out. What, 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 what does it look like for, for an artist, you know, coming in, you know, mm-hmm. so green into the drag scene? Like what, what were you doing? Mm-hmm. Well, what, what, how are you, how are you practicing if you will? Yeah. So, um, after that first, after I did Lacage, it very much became like, um, well, here's the benefit to going to theater school all our parties were themed parties. Oh, shut up. Yes. So every party or anything like that was a chance to be like, what can I do? What can I pull out? Cause I, I wasn't bold enough at that point to like, go to a, go to a bar, a gay bar in drag where other Queens are performing and go book me. Mm. So it just became more of like in my apartment with my door closed with like my secret drawer of wigs. <laughs> but then it became like, okay, we're doing a Halloween in November party. Like, what am I going to dress up as? It's like, we're doing a Christmas party. Like, what can I throw together? We're doing a, uh, we're, <laughs> we're doing a dress as your favorite musical party. Like what, what am I going to whip together from two days of Amazon and uh, <laughs> a hot glue gun Wow. So when I, so that it's sort of, uh, we call it bedroom queen when you're just kind of do. Yeah. When you're just kind of doing drag for yourself alone in your bedroom. Oh, that sounds so endearing. (laughs) I mean, but we, for most of us, that's, that's how we start. Yeah. Uh, Because yeah. So, um, cause you weren't ready. You weren't ready to go out to the bars no. to go meet the other queens and be like, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm so-and-so now, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I'm, 
like you you were still a little shy or or were you still trying to create your persona what what was it i i didn't quite know it was there yet mm. again it's like i i had all these big feelings but i didn't know how to like manifest them quite yet uh-huh um and so what i did was i i hitched my drag persona at that time to hocus pocus okay so I, I would do Winifred Sanderson, and she was like my character. Um, and when I came home after I graduated, there were a couple events in like the summer that were Hocus Pocus related, and I got myself booked on them. I was I just like cold DM'd. I will do this for free. Like I just want the chance to like see what I can do here. You just put yourself out there. Yeah. You have to, you have to, um, and it's scary as shit, but yeah, but like literally me driving to my first gig, like sweat, just like dripping down my face, panicking. Oh my God. And and, you and know, nothing like, set up yet. You're just driving in your car, just nice and fresh. driving in my car, driving in my car, full makeup, Oh, um, everything. And it's like, as soon as I walked through that door, I was like, I know exactly what to do, even though I've never done this before. Ooh. You went into that flow and, state so easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I, a few weeks later, I did my first official drag show, which was a competition. Oh. Just well, like, a, it was a, it was a one night competition, like four queens in the middle of a regular drag show. They would bring out four queens to do just like one number. And I, I did it and I placed second, I think. And then I did it again. And then I did it again at another location. And at this point I started being like, maybe I should do more than one thing. <laughs> um, so I just started evolving and adding more characters. And then we sort of land dead smack into COVID. Oh, okay. And and during all of this, I was auditioning four or five times a week. Like I was in like ever, anything I could get to, I was going to, um, from Disney to like the hillbilly review at Knott's Berry farm. It's like, I was at the auditions. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and then theater died mm. and everything entertainment died. And I kind of sat in my room going, I don't know what to do. And uh, things stayed quiet for like maybe a week. And that's when virtual drag started picking up. What's virtual drag? So the drag, drag yeah, the drag what? queens pretty immediately mobilized. And we started doing Instagram live shows. What kind of shows? What, what would y'all do? Just regular drag shows. So one person would ho- host it. And then they would invite in the next queen and everyone would be performing from their living rooms or their backyards and people would tip via Venmo. Oh, and, and it just sort of, and then it went to, to start on Instagram and then it was zoom shows where people would pay to get the link. So like the entertainers could get like $5. Wow. And, and it just sort of grew and grew. And before I knew it, I was 
I had a whole stage set up in my backyard with curtains and lights and fog machines. And <laughs> I was, I was a one man show, like producing my own miniature theater drag via Instagram live <laughs> um, to wherever these places were. Hell yeah. And that sort of started my brain to go, Oh, maybe I'm also like, maybe I also have a knack for directing because if this is just me and I've got dry ice and fog machines and pyro and theater curtains and yeah, you have, you have all, all the that knickknacks. jazz. I was like, I, I think maybe there's something here. Um, so slowly, slowly venue started to open up and, uh, because I had done so much free, during COVID, uh-huh. I got a lot of invitations to perform in person when these clubs reopened. And um, I was asked in by my current um, drag partners, April Showers and Liko Ray, to consult with them and help them build a Disney show that was going to open a new venue. And we've been partners ever since. Wow. So, yeah. So our first time working together was how do we stage an elaborate Disney show that is outdoors on a patio where we're wearing masks and we can't touch money. We have to collect tips by holding butterfly nets. (laughs) And we did. We spent like two months and we created this show that sold out and we did it like four times and then that evolved into the next, into the next. And as restrictions eased, we were able to bring more and more elements into the show. And before we know it, we had dancers and sets and props. And we were going viral on TikTok. Oh, heck yeah. Um, so again, it was just like one of those things where it's like, I don't know this path that I'm riding, but I'm not stopping and I'm not getting off because <laughs> theaters, it was another six months before theater even came back, yeah. even to that point, because we were allowed to start performing when restaurants reopen. Oh, Be- as long as we followed the mandates of wearing masks and not handling physical money person to person. Okay. So I I always felt like I got the head start. Like I got to start performing again. Um, and then we started getting asked to different venues. And um, I booked my first show with the Sagerstrom Center for the Arts. And I, show? I, they were doing an outdoor screening of Rocky Horror. Oh, hell yeah. And they asked, they asked me to produce um, the pre-show, which was going to be a drag show. So um, I hired all my friends and we put together a huge, like half hour long drag show with sets and dancers and special effects and fog. Like, and they were, they were so receptive to it that we got asked back the next year and doing more events with them. And, um yeah it's really my my story is just phenomenal 
what a magical well, journey it's been like in, from just uh, an actor to not not even before that just being a, a a kid just building his own toys having fun to then being like oh i can play pretend too with all these people to yeah. to oh wait drag is a thing oh wait yeah. i can do this and then you're producing shows directing shows basically just a, and, being that kid with the glue guns yeah and i i i tell this to um newer queens all the time it's like you can't be afraid to do stuff for free in the beginning. It's not a bad thing. Cause I think sometimes there's an attitude that like, well, I'm a drag queen. I have to hold a certain like persona. I have, I have to say it's, it's, it's okay to be nice. It's okay to build genuine connections. Mm. It's okay to do all these things because doors will open for you more. Mm. Like, uh, so I, I really think that that was a lot of it was just being humble and knowing that you want to grow and you want to be more than just like a bedroom queen or a backyard Instagram <laughs> live queen. Um, so then we um, then we all started working at my home bar now, which is Strut Nightclub in Costa Mesa. Hey, shout out Strut. Yes, shout out Strut. I uh, I wrote <laughs> and produced, directed, and was Winifred in our Hocus Pocus show that ran for three months. Wow. And, Jesus. And Excuse we, me. Puppies. You can continue. Uh, Milo. We're good. We, uh, <laughs> Thanks, baby. <laughs> we were doing like two or three show days and it was this huge thing and then you say two to three show days yeah on sundays two to three shows a day yeah and how long are these shows about two hours oh my god so what are you doing morning afternoon and evening yes (laughs) like breakfast lunch and dinner like like you would not see the sun until it was night wow um, and then that sort of like the success of that show, um, got the attention of the national tour of Moulin Rouge, who was coming into town and they asked if we would host and produce their Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS fundraiser at our club. Come on. So then we, I got to produce and direct and build this show with them which was just like that that was my fantasy that was like this is what i want i want to create dragon theater that exists in the same world and that was just it the cat the the touring national touring cast yeah. of moulin rouge Ooh, yeah speaking of i see yeah. right there in the back i see that in the back hey i got they got me a poster <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then that, that just skyballed right into our Christmas show, um, which the same thing. I directed it. I wrote it. I, um, I produced it. I was in it. And then we started working on Wicked in late November, and we just opened that last weekend. Damn. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Ugh. Thank you. 
things got so crazy. I just filed for an LLC. So I guess I'm my own business entity now. Yes, you are. Ooh. Ooh. Is there, is there, is there a name uh, to the production oh. company? Voyance Productions. Voyance Productions. Lovely. Well, on that and, note, I yeah. want to take us, I want to take us to, uh, there's a segment. There's a, there's an official segment in this show, a questionnaire uh-huh. portion. Yes. So I want to. I feel like it's a good time to to segue into that portion. And have you ever? Oh, please. Have you ever heard of Inside the Actor Studio? Yes. Beautiful. The, this, that's where these questions come from. I love the question mm-hmm. James would ask all his guests. It's a yes. It's a series of ten questions. For those who don't know, it's a series of ten questions that I just find deceptively simple. Uh, they, some are you know maybe like a single word answer, but I I, I want you to take your time. I'm, I I didn't want to give you these questions prior to the interview because I want fresh, whatever raw, whatever yes. it is that comes to mind. Uh, are you All ready? Right. I am. All right, here we go. First question is, what is your favorite word? Spectacular. Mm. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Dig it. Next question. Mm-hmm. What is your least favorite word? Do. Like dues. Oh. Pay your dues. <laughs> All right. Dig it. I was like, D-O-S? Dues? Like you don't want to do anything? <laughs> Next question. What turns you on emotionally, spiritually, or mentally? Ambition. Mm. There is nothing sexier than ambition to all of those points. Dig it. Yeah. Dig it. Thank you. Next question. What turns you off? Emotionally, spiritually, or mentally? <laughs> Entitlement. In the same vein that ambition is one of my favorite things, I think someone walking into a room and Thinking they own it is just about the least sexiest thing in the world. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Bad taste in my mouth. Right? Next question. What sound or noise do you love? Brown noise. Is that like white so, noise, like a different frequency of it? it? Yes, yes. So think inside of an airplane. Mm. Like that sort of ambient. That is, Everyone sleeps with white noise. I sleep with brown noise. That is my favorite sound in the world. Like that is my zen. How would you, how would you describe the feeling brown noise gives you? Oh, it's the only thing that turns my brain off. Mm. Like I like, again, tunnel vision. Even when, like, I lay down at night to go to bed, like, I close my eyes, but I'm still seeing a million different thoughts. So, brown noise is one of the only things that that just quiets 
quiets all the little voices and gets me just neutral. And I love that, especially since this is firing on all cylinders at all times. <laughs> nice. It's a nice frequency to relax you out and just yeah. even you out. Yeah. Dig it. All right. Next question. What sound or noise do you hate? I hate lip smacking. So like what all that sort of stuff. It's not my thing. <laughs> yeah. None of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry for doing it. <laughs> oh, no, you you have not done it. Those are for the few listeners out there who are like, what's that sound like? You know, now they got a good earful. <laughs> Next question. What is your favorite curse word? Fuck. Hell yeah. Dig it. Just because nine out of ten times when I walk into a gay bar, the first thing in my mind is what the fuck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> oh that's the God. reoccurring thought <laughs> the fuck is happening <laughs> oh dig it all right next question what profession other than your own would you like to attempt Um, it's, it's not, I'm forgetting the exact name, but it's not dermatology, but it's, um, it's like, it's esthetician maybe, or it's when it's like, um, when you like, like Dr. Pimple Popper, but not that extreme, like when you're clean the skin or like you do treatments on it and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I always thought I'm crazy enough to get into something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Dig it. All right. Mm -hmm. Wow. Interesting. Dig it. Thank you. Next question. What profession would you not like to attempt? Something that's nine to five. Mm. And just, I something but not I mean there are so many there's so many that fall in that category, so I'm gonna leave it just a little more vague because I think anything that would be nine to five and monotonous would just kill me on the inside. Fair. Totally fair. Here we go. And then final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say? As you enter the pearly gates. Look around because those Republicans aren't here. (laughs) Oh, wow. Look at that. Hey. (laughs) Ah, well, beautiful we got we made it to the end garrett thank you so much now it's your time i want to give you of course man thank you so much my pleasure to have you here now it is your time i want you to take take a chance to just let us know what's going on any upcoming shows where people can find you please take the full take the stage um 
I'm currently um, playing the Wicked Witch in uh, Wicked, the untold parody of the Drag Queens of Oz, playing exclusively at Strut Nightclub now through, I believe, the first week of April. Maybe we'll extend. We don't know yet. But um, we're selling out, and it's absolute insanity. If you're a fan of Wicked, if you're a fan of The Wizard of Oz, this is the show for you. We have six queens, six dancers, a full set, a lightning designer, a, like the whole. This is this is Wicked on a budget. So, so <laughs> um, yeah. But there is it is it is a spectacle to end all spectacles. It's the biggest show I've ever been a part of. And then I'm also working and producing on my own solo show at the Sagerstrom Center for the Arts called Broadway Divas, oh. which I'm the host of. Uh, we had our first brunch at the beginning of this month, and it was a huge success. And we're working on our next one. And that's the dream come true project getting to work there um i'm hosting a queer outing through the sagerstrom center for the arts to go see the national tour of hairspray so that's in at the end of april so i'm gonna be i'm gonna be there hosting it uh in all my hairspray glory and there's gonna be a special cast member from the show there with us so all sorts of fun things and uh, Halloween may seem far away, but it's never too early to start talking about Hocus Pocus. So you should start seeing the Sanderson sisters pop up in, I'd say, uh, let's say J late July. So there's like some, there's a couple exciting things that we've got planned that I won't give too much away on, but Halloween is never too far away. Ooh, ooh, giving us plenty to wait for. Well, <laughs> there we go let's see we're just gonna mosey our way back do 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 and thank you again for being here man really appreciate it no no thank you for asking me this was so much fun oh, thank you yay good i'm glad you had fun that's what matters that you had fun yeah <laughs> look at that we made it to the end end of episode 85 you're here for the goodies i know you are you're here because you're subscribed you're here because you've commented probably i don't know there's like questions in the podcast if you want to like ask questions i don't know have fun comment in donate if you want heck go wild i don't care why not have fun or just keep listening because that's enough too garrett hope y'all loved him as much as i do uh great getting to know him great getting to know about the birth of miss clairvoyance the birth of all his shows all his wickedly talented shows and Honestly, it just seems like all these drag queens, like they're just industrial, not industrial, but entrepreneurial. Like the, the hustle is real and it's impressive as all hell. Like, whoa, excuse my language. Uh, but please, if you want to know what Garrett is up to, check out the links below. Uh, show links, uh, everything you need to know about what he's up to, all the great art he's making. Uh, and also my links. Go check that out if you want. Again, subscribe, have fun, click that link. I don't know if you heard that dog, but dog, quiet dog. Good doggo. He shut up. I love doggos, but that doggo, be quiet. I love you. Uh, oh, and right before, don't forget, this, this is the important one. You're enough. You're more than enough. 
It's incredible how enough you are. Okay, bye. I'm leaving. I'm going to fly. Oh, gotta yeah, bring me down. Bring me down. Bring me down. I'm just going to hold that up. I'm a singer.